Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique Dupreme. The show is called First Things First. My first thing today and every day, especially on Mondays, by the way, giving thanksgiving praises, asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders and getting it going. I feel like if we don't set our intention, like ground ourselves on Monday, the whole week is all just woo woo all over the place. Um, that's why we have Mindful Monday coming up for you in the second hour of the show. First hour, we do local. Second hour, we do national, international, and beyond. In the final hour of the show, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest or a hot topic. And it is the third Monday of the month. So that means, well, the second to last, I should say. So that means it's messy Monday. So we might, we'll have my opinionated friends take on relationships right now, though. My partner in politics in studio is a longtime political organizer, activist, and leader. Uh, he is the founder of the Fannie Lou Hamer Institute in Los Angeles and lead organizer for Black Lives Matter LA, a member of Black Lives Matter Grassroots. Akili, good morning. Good morning, Dominique, and good morning to the KBLA family. Good to be here. Yes, indeed. Akili, you're one of these people, well, people call you Baba, which yes. means father um, in almost every African and Arabic, and you know, it's kind of one of those universal things, yeah, I actually. Know. It seems yeah. like wherever I go, if I say that, everybody knows what it means. Yeah, they do. Um, but, you know, you're, it's kind of like, almost like a Beyonce status, where you have that one name, <laughs> Akili, everybody knows him, you know, Beyonce, there's just a few of, uh, a few of you. Um, but you've been doing it, how did you ever even get into organizing? I mean, I've always known you, I knew that you, you know, have been doing it for a long time from everybody from BLM to Barack Tops, Obama. Yes, you know, Tops with peace going back to the 80s. Um, quite frankly, when I got out of federal prison, uh, I was able to turn my life around. I talked to some people about this last night, uh, and I, you know, I wanted to get involved and stay involved. And so uh, for the past 52 years, I've been doing that. Uh, and I developed three basic beliefs that uh, people make a difference if you go to them, that the essence of democracy is inclusion and participation, and we live in the richest country in the world. We can't have a just, fair, and equitable society. And I've tried to live up to those beliefs in the past 
past few years, and I'm proud of the work I've done. Yeah, as you should be. Are we still the, one of the richest? Are we still the richest country in the world? We're still the richest country in the world, and we're in the, in the richest state in the richest country in the yeah, world. Yeah, that I do know. That to me is one of the the most perturbing things about our unhoused persons crisis is that California is a golden state, not just for the sunshine, but for the treasure. Uh, we're a huge. What are we like? The fourth or fifth largest economy, economy. in the world. If we were a country, um, and you do see. You do see the Rolls Royces and, you know, the Lamborghinis. You do see the humongous mansions and the, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 purses. It's normal here. And you see them walking right by people living in tents. And, and to Stepping me, that's... Over them. Yeah, which is what makes it hard. Yes. Uh, and... Which underscores this point about we live in the richest country. We can have a just, fair, and equitable society. So it's not like we can't afford it. It's the choices we make. Uh, and the choices we've made uh, in the past, uh, currently, is that we will invest in those people who we think need investing in and those people who don't, well, that's on, they're on their own. Yeah. And so um, that's how I've, you know, I've got started. Like I said, I'm proud of the work. I think if I look back... Starting to co-founding the United Domestic Workers Union, working in the anti-apartheid movement, working in both of Jesse's 84 and 88 campaigns, and then 20 years later, working in Obama's campaign. Um, so I knew that there could be a black president because I had seen what Jesse had done. Um, I, as I reflect on just some of the work that I've done uh, locally, I think the, the ooh, BLM, uh, Measure J, Measure A, uh, the 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 work that we've did around uh making sure that the voices of people who had been excluded are being included right so to me the the whole measure j thing is about uh making protests into policy yes you know translating it from the streets into codified law that actually impacts long term after people are not inspired to march anymore because that always goes in waves right yep and uh, yes and in the beginning and, and one of the things i i want to remind people of because people ask me and others well in 19 in 2020 where would you know all came out where's everybody now well there was a pandemic going on uh there was black death uh george floyd uh, ahmed aubrey uh brianna taylor uh, and people were outraged by that. Uh, luckily, we had already been in the streets, and so we could connect to and capture that and move it forward. Um, but you, it's hard to keep up that level of momentum. I mean, people got jobs. And people lives. got jobs and kids. And I don't think, well, you know, I don't, I don't think it means that people don't care. I feel like it's almost impossible to maintain that level of intensity forever. Well, they're in the streets right now. They're in the streets right now about Palestine. Palestine, Yeah. And I think that 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 once again, when you see these uh, outrageous things happening that touch people, they tend to express themselves a lot in my in my view, a lot more now than, say, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. People are much more inclined now to express themselves in ways that were seen well you know, we go, well, I've seen these ups and downs. These, right. You know, um, but I think in the last 10 years, there's been a willingness to express ourselves, to show up, to speak out and to speak up much more consistently, much more, uh, much louder. And I think the challenge, the, the current concept, I see a lot more of that happening now than I did you know, 20 years ago.
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're also, you. I've, I'm guessing that you've been in movement long enough to know that the coalition between African-American and Jewish-American progressives has, has been strong and has been important to our movement, as has the coalition between African-American and Palestinians-Americans. And so I think, you know, I, I think we as black people are probably better positioned than most to understand that being critical of the right-wing Israeli government does not equate to being anti-Semitic and that those of us, many of us who have worked and fought alongside progressive Jews and have been, uh, you know, standing strong against anti-Semitism can also say free Palestine and not mean that in any way that is anti-Semitic. But that is one of those tricky things in, in, you know, in, in our society that, you know, people don't necessarily understand. Well, I can have political disagreements with Israelis. That's a that's a nation state now. Uh, that doesn't mean that I have political with Jews as a people who express and practice a particular religion. Um, what is happening now in the Middle East uh, and with Palestine? I mean, the the most hurtful thing for me is that we don't talk about Palestine anymore. We talk about the West Bank or Gaza. We've almost erased a country, a people. Before I, when I was born, there was a Palestine. Golda Meir, who is the first, one of the first um, prime ministers of the state of Israel, her passport was a Palestinian passport. Before 1948, there was a, there was a country called Palestine. It had, it had a flag, it had a language, it had people. Today, we talk about the West Bank, we talk about Gaza. We've almost erased Palestine. And part of what, for many of us who've been in the movement and who have certainly struggled, particularly around a, a, a global uh, uh, struggles around justice, look at what has happened to the Palestinian people and side with them, much like Mandela sided with them, much like Malcolm sided with them, much like many people who have been marginalized uh, side with Palestinians because they deserve self-respect, self-determination, and self-defense, like all people do. Like all nations. I mean, yes. that's, that's why we're spending gazillions of dollars in Ukraine is because they have a right to sovereignty, right? And that sovereignty means that you get to control your nation. No one else controls your water, your electricity. No one else controls all the, all the food your, that comes in. your food or your ability to move around within your country. Yes, I mean... That, that region of uh, Gaza has been classically termed an open-air prison yeah. because it is controlled. I think it was controlled. Jimmy Carter who said that, right? Yes. Who started that, uh, I guess you could call it language around it. Um, Jimmy Carter, you know, the only American president who has taken such a strong position. But I, I only bring it up because we typically talk local, so we'll, we'll continue yes. this. Because people are talking about their own safety in the context of... L.A., New York, San Francisco, and we have seen this intense, continuous rise in hate crimes. I point out all the time that black people are still the primary targets of that. Uh, we've seen a, a jump, though, in anti-Semitism prior to all of this happening. And now you're starting to see these attacks on Arab Americans, which remind me of, you know, 9-11. Um, 
in yes. that whole period. Yes. And so um, I think it's important to talk about it in the local context. Is like, how does that help anything? I've never understood that, Akili. When we have these wars and conflicts, you know, um, and I've been on the mic long enough to be through. In fact, that the whole Iraq wars pretty much what ended up getting me fired because I'm like, why are we going to war? That's they. I mean, you I get that you don't like Iraq and you got beef there from your dad, George Bush, <laughs> you know, King Bush the first. But they're not the ones that bombed the World Trade Center. I just I said that and it, it led to my, you know, eventual yes. termination. <laughs> um but it seems or like you can look at it another way. It led to your freeing to be able to do, pursue <laughs> other things. <laughs> it led to my ability to have a child. Yeah, yes, there you go. exactly. But I mean, the thing about my point is that I feel like sometimes we're so gullible that we we run from one issue to the other, and then it 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 acts out in violence. And I, I how do we stop that? Well, but that's we are, wrong. But we have a culture of violence. That's the that's yeah. that that's the problem. I think we got we start. But you there. don't get to you don't get to physically attack Jews. You don't get to physically attack Palestinians. You don't get to attack people. That's attack the policy, not the person. Except that we have promoted that kind of um, interaction. That kind of you know. That, I mean, the this six year old boy that was stabbed. Um, clearly had done nothing uh, except be Palestinian. Uh, and his mother was Palestinian. Um, the Sikh, after 9-11, Sikhs were, were attacked. I remember that. They're not even... And they're not even Muslim. Right. You know? They just wore turbans. Yes. And you know, I lived through the Vietnam War where we were calling people gooks. Which is a racial slur. Yes, it was. Yeah, it is. Uh, and and we, the, the Vietnamese people. Yes, we were calling the about. Vietnamese people gooks. We were calling them all kind of names because we had to dehumanize them because we were we were treating them less than human. Uh, and so I saw that, and I but, saw but knowing you, you were probably protesting oh, the yes, war. Yes, I was definitely. <laughs> you weren't calling them that at all. You <laughs> no, were out there with Martin Luther yeah, King, yeah, yeah, taking yeah, the unpopular opinion. Yes. And it's interesting for those of you who are confused, sometimes that unpopular opinion, you look back at it, historically, you're you're like, you want to be the one that stood with King. You don't want to be the one that was throwing out racial slurs. But I actually heard Malcolm talk about it. I could not believe this. I heard Malcolm talk about the Vietnam War and how the Vietnamese were winning, even before King had come out. And I remember hearing that. I heard it on a tape uh, after Malcolm. I could not believe, because in those days you were, a patriot and if the country went to war then you went to war and my father and I just fell out over that for many years we didn't we borderline didn't talk for two years uh but I went I remember hearing Malcolm talk about it and I'm thinking wow look at he is actually opposing the U.S. government I mean that's one of the reasons that uh, that Muhammad Ali is one of my all-time yes heroes. yes I mean he gave up so much anyway we're going to continue yes. this conversation we do have a lot to talk about you got a lot coming yes. up this week all that's on the agenda, and your phone calls are on it, too, 800-920-1580. That's how you get in the conversation. That's how you express yourself. That's how you're welcomed in, VIP style, 800-920-1580. We are KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. The Green. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now. 
right now, right now, right now, right now, Miles. Like right, right now. Okay, right now, <laughs> right now. Achille is with me, and um, you guys, by you guys in that in that moment, I'm talking about Black Lives Black Matter, Matter LA. Uh, you got a full slate this week. Yes. Talk to me about some of the stuff that's going on. Well, I want to connect Black Lives Matters LA with Black Lives Matters uh, uh, grassroots. Uh, Melina and many others of us are in Houston uh, supporting uh, Jalen Randall, who was a young man who was uh, murdered. In, 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 uh, and we are calling on the, uh, the, the, the police officer to be prosecuted. So some, some of us are there. Um, Jalen Anderson. I'm uh, not Jalen. I mean, Keenan. Uh, uh, Keenan Anderson. Anderson yeah. I'm sorry. Um, you know, is, is going before the police commission tomorrow. The police have ruled that uh, his death was in policy, uh, and we, of course, will be there to uh, challenge that. Uh, they tend to rule almost 90 99% of the time that all their killings are within policy. And even when they rule that the killings are not in policy, they don't tend to take action against It doesn't the change the outcome. Yeah. That's the thing that weirds me yeah. out. But I, I am surprised that Keenan Anderson was ruled in policy because there was so much hand-wringing at the time about how many times he was tased, tased and for how long. And it clearly says that they're not supposed to repeatedly tase them. So how is that in policy when it's out of policy? Well... Uh, I, I, that's what we're going to find out tomorrow, right. uh, you know. And we intend, and we intend to make sure that that at least that those kinds of questions are, are are raised, and that we challenge that. I mean, we go to the police commission every Tuesday um, to basically to challenge their assumptions, starting with on one hand, crime has. You know, has leveled off and down and going going, down. On the other hand, they need more police. They need more weaponry. They need more. uh, They they, they need need a task force for retail. Yes. For purses. Um, The purse task forces. You you can't have it both ways. Right. Crime is going down, but you need more. You need more money. Crime is going down, but you need more police. You know, and and that's something that they have been, uh, you know, talking out of both sides of the mouth. The other thing that we've challenged is that. Everything that happened to a black person was always gang related. I don't care, you know, they would always just drop it in. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, st- you know, and, and we began to challenge that. There was no evidence to that. There was no, nothing that says that, that this person was a gang member. But that was one way of constantly whipping up the need for more police because every, you know, every shooting, every, every you know, jaywalker, everything that happened was gang related. Uh, and that's how they, uh, they, they characterize our people and our community. And so we'll be there tomorrow to challenge their assumption about uh, – why would you need to, to tase this person that many times uh, on a traffic stop? Which is one of the reasons why we want them out of traffic stops altogether. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It seems like a waste of resources, if I'm being honest. You're because right. you, you know, no matter what you think about, you know, how folks are policing, sworn police officers are costly, and if you can have someone else giving, telling me that I need to get a tail light, you know. Um, why would and and then it decreases the chance of me being killed at a traffic light uh, stop? Then you know why would we not take them out? It doesn't make sense not to. Well, we've been able to remove them from pretextual stops. That is, they had a con- they had a pre- you know something was going on, so they pulled right, them over. Right, right. That you the know, whole metro police yeah. piece. So, but aren't they back doing that? 
It looks like it. I mean, even though there was a policy introduced to stop them from doing it. So they're not supposed to be. Yes. Is the thing uh, now. They're technically not supposed to be, but <laughs> practically they are. Right. Um, Just like they're technically not supposed to be racist, but you can see the difference in policing techniques yep. or attitudes. Well, and one of the things that I've observed over the years, the police are trained to control and suppress, control any threat and suppress any danger. And they see us as a threat and a danger. Um, you can see how when they stop us, when they do stop us, how they position themselves. You can see the fact that they pull us out of the car and make us stand up and embarrass us. I mean, all of those kind of techniques uh, don't that has nothing to do with really dealing with crime. It has a lot to do with uh, the, the continued perception of being occupied. Yeah. Well, and the other part about all of this traffic drama is that we need to slow the heck down. I mean, people, come on now. Start, get, you got to leave earlier if it's that serious. Um, I'm thinking about those four Pepperdine students who yes. were hit. I mean, they were just on the road. They, they weren't doing anything. Um, they were standing by the side of the road and someone driving too fast, one person accident, plows into these four friends and they're all dead. And we see that, I mean, these, this is getting, you know, a lot of, of note because they're promising young women. They're all college students. They're, you know, um, it's just really dramatic and terrible. But this happens all the, all the time, time in South L.A. and Southeast L.A., the hit and runs, the, you know, mowing down of people. I, I mean, that I don't think is something that we should be relying on laws or police to solve. Just slow the heck down come on la well but that's a message that's counter to the public message the public message is get where you gotta go uh, as fast as you can uh and whoever gets and it, it supports this notion of road rage whoever gets in your way uh then you know you have a right to uh to yell at them to blow your horn at them and if necessary run over them uh you know yeah so, it's the so it's your the grind message till you die mentality yes, yes so your message is on this end we got 10 other messages Ryan until you side. die, win at all costs. Well, yes. I'm hoping that the Generation Z, um, you know, messaging that, you know, we don't grind at all costs is going to seep, seep through all of the generations. These are four beautiful young women, Pepperdine students. They had a prayer vigil and memorial for them on Thursday. And um, to me, they're symbolic of what we are giving up to be in such a hurry. Our safety, peace promise um i do it you know well you got to either be late or leave earlier those are the <laughs> options well there's another option we could spend a little more time energy and effort and better public transportation better infrastructure and making it so that um that our roads are better and safer there you know so you can add to that much of our roads uh, have not really been invested in. I mean, many of our m m municipalities have put off maintenance and the rest because of these this kind of boom or bust cycle that we go through. So, but know, honestly, I mean, I that is true, Julie. But all of that, if you're going to be driving a million miles down the piece an hour down the PCH and right. lose control of your vehicle, all the good roads in the world are not going to help you. You got to slow the heck down. I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, yes, fix the roads. Yes, all that stuff you said, safety. But at a certain point, you are the driver of the vehicle. 
and you must not just drive like you can dance like no one's watching, but you can't drive that way. And you got to watch out. There's human life at stake. We've got news, traffic, and sports, and then more kitchen table conversation with Akili and Dominique on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More first things first with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And I do thank you. Um, a lot going on, as we said, with Black Lives Matter. And you were talking about Keenan Anderson and how the uh, L.A. Police Commission is taking that up tomorrow. Those are at 9 a.m. meetings, right? 9.30, yes. 9.30. And they have the now, um, they have the policy where they have to listen to everybody now, right? Isn't that a shift where they've increased the number of folks who get to speak? Not y- y- not really, because you still get 45 minutes. Uh, Seconds. Yeah. For, no, no, no. You still get, they, they have public comment for 45 minutes. Oh, so they haven't expended the amount, extended the amount no. of time. If, if you can get in in enough time uh, and get your, your car, then, then, you know, they'll let everybody speak within that 45 minutes. We have. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you can, but everyone saw, it, isn't it a minute or something like that? that well, you, you can get up to three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. Depend, you know, so if you, 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 you get a minute or two to speak on, a, on an item and then pu- a minute for public comment. So three minutes times 45 minutes is 15 people. 15 people. Yeah. Yep. It's not much. It's not. Uh, and they purposely do that to try to confine us, uh, to try to make sure that our voices are hmm. not heard. They, they, they've they done a number of things to try to prevent us from, you know, challenging their Yeah, their I mean, I'm, I'm clear on that, including having the, the meetings at 930 on a weekday yes. when people have jobs, which supposedly they're now going to do some in the community in, in the evening, which is great. But I thought they had changed the public comment policy. So it if it's still... Just as many people as can fit in forty-five minutes. That's not really a change, is it's it? Not, not what a, is the change then? That, well, that that they are willing to take more people if you can get in. Oh, okay. So they'll they'll take everybody in the room that can fit in forty-five that can, minutes. That can get in. Uh, and one of the things that we've also they also are still doing call-in, so people can call in and right. do call in. Right. Um, right. But it's still forty-five minutes, uh, and we've certainly challenged that. The, the The city council doesn't do that. The board of supervisors, no other public uh, agency, does that kind of. Only uh, the agency that actually leaves people without lives. Yes. Yes. Which makes no sense at all. I mean. You could at least do an hour. You can sit through an hour of you public can sit comment. Through an hour of public comment. Well, but this is a this is supposed <laughs> they to never be never la- they never last in my job. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but this is supposed to be the people's, you know, the civilian oversight commission. Right, right, right. right so right, right. you would think that having the people come in, the civilians come in to talk, would be prioritized, would be important. Uh, that's not the case. They give the police untold number of hours to present, to share their positions, to make their reports, uh, and they give the public, the citizens, um, 45 minutes 45 a minutes. <laughs> for, for 4 million Angelinos, we yep. give you 45 minutes. Yep. Uh, and That's 10 minutes per million. And if you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And if you challenge that, uh, uh-huh. as we have done many times, what they do is just shut the place down and leave. Yeah, well, that and that's that's another thing most of us can't do on our jobs. We're not we're not in the mood for you. We're leaving. Yes, we we, we don't have to take this. We're Try leaving. that if you're the, a clerk the, at Macy's. The other, to see how long you keep the your other job. thing about it, unlike any other public comments 
period or public agency, that room used to be full of police. Now it's still full of police, but they're standing in the hallway um, and they have this and they lean on their guns and they do all that kind of stuff that police do. And so here you to are. To intimidate people? Yes. I mean, but they again, try to. They, they, I mean, but again, that's a huge waste of money. It is. We're always, they're always, always complaining about not having enough cops on the beat. Well, get them out the police commission meeting and let them go do their jobs. Yes. I mean, you don't need hundreds of cops, you, you know, even to keep the commissioner safe. You, No one's attacking the commissioner's well, personal. Well, my way. first arrest was there. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I got arrested for um, um, resisting arrest and uh, 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 police. They, they, they charged me with uh, attacking a police officer in a room full of police officers. They were standing shoulder to shoulder. And I challenged them. I walked out and you could hear uh, Beck saying he ought to be arrested. And they came out and arrested me. And I went through. Well, he was a police chief. Yes. Right? The police chief says you ought to be arrested. Arrest will sh- f- shortly well, but then they had, But then they had to come up with charges. And right. I went through a 10-day trial. Uh, and it was, it was the most absurd thing because they tried to make out that somehow or another... I was attacking the police in, like I said, in a room. I remember that, right? You know. Like, who does that? Yeah, who would do that? And and who would try? And if you would have actually attacked, attacked them, yeah. you would have. I'd be. Yeah. If you didn't die, you would definitely have some I, I'd bruises be in a and wheelchair or something by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and but those were in the days when they when they were trying to intimidate us. They arrested Melina for talking thirty seconds over the time. Yeah. Uh, they arrested Tut. Uh, Tut Hayes, who was an 82-year-old activist who showed up at their commissions all the time and, and challenged them on procedure and stuff, they arrested Tut Hayes, um, you know, at least a couple of times for speaking over or being off topic. Um, those they they learned that those kind of intimidation uh, uh, approaches didn't work. That we that we weren't afraid of showing up and, and afraid of being arrested. I've been arrested there at least twice uh, in that room. Uh, you know. And they they don't do that as much, but they keep the police on right outside. You know, they are there. They're in the hallways. And you're right. It's a poor use of time. I mean, I would expect a a few of them. It is a police commission meeting, but you don't need all those. Like, that's a waste of money. It's a budgetary excess. Yep. Yep. And one of the other things that we are constantly talking about is we need to fire Chief Moore. There have been 30 shootings, 17 killings. And of those 17, over 50 percent of those people have been black or brown. Uh, I mean, and they uh, uh, they 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 give this impression that they are constantly under attack. I was with a family this weekend uh, who Earl. Collier, he was shot uh, in in Skid Row. His family came down. Luckily, he didn't die. His family came down to visit him. They wanted to find out his status and the rest, uh, and they couldn't visit him, uh, you know, because he is. And he was charged once again. They said he had a knife, and he lunged at the police. One of the things that, that there's no video. That's what the family is demanding. They want to I mean, see. It's got to be. If it's not body cam, there's video everywhere now. A well, doorbell. A that's what the lamp that, that's what the, that's the first demand that the, that the the family is making they want to see all the videos um 
in part because he is, the, his wounds are in the side and in the back. So if you're lunging, it looks like uh, you would, you know, they would be here. In the front, in yeah. In the front, yeah. Uh, but many of, you know, at least according to the reports, his, his wounds are in the side and in the back. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing. The same thing that happened with Grishario Mack at the, at the Crenshaw Mall. Um, supposedly, he lunged at the police. Um, but after true investigations and an independent autopsy, you could see that he was shot in the back that he was running away. Uh, and it's that kind of uh, challenge that we have to constantly make to the police because if you allow them to tell the story, then they are always, it's always a danger to them. They're, they're always a threat and they had to kill us. Well, that, yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's, you know, like they're trained to say that to um, exonerate themselves. But back to Keenan Anderson, where we started this, um, the shooting has been ruled within policy. I didn't realize that. That is amazing. By the L.A. Police Commission, even though he was tased six times, which, according to what I read at the time, there's been no coverage of this since uh, summer when the lawsuit uh, was filed by the family, um, that that was out of policy that you don't you're not supposed to repeatedly tase the same person and you're not supposed to hold that taser on them for long periods of time that's what attorney carl douglas said and that's what i heard chief moore say um it during you know the press that was coming out that there were concerns because of the length of time but now the commission says it's in policy once well, they've ruled it's in policy they don't they never change their minds right they, they rarely do that, that's what we're going to find all the indications are that they are going to rule it was in policy but it's the police chief that really influences those decisions uh, as much as anything it's interesting because the commission is appointed by the mayor yes and we have some garcetti holdovers but we also have some new appointees no, i think everybody on there is no no we have one garcetti holdover um um uh Calanche. Uh, was appointed by um, by the, the, the Garcetti, but everybody else has been appointed by the current mayor, by Karen Bass. But um, you say they're influenced by the police chief. Seems well, not to only, not make sense when they serve at the pleasure of the mayor, but it's always that, been that way. Yes, but it's but they serve at the at the pleasure of the mayor, but they are there. What we observe, they rubber stamp, they take what the police say uh, and accept it. They make may ask some questions, but they may not even be pointed questions. And we've had some very good people, very smart people, very good attorneys that tend to accept whatever the police put forward uh, with, with, you know, it doesn't seem like with challenging questions. Is there a teacup and like a spoon going around and around and around? I mean, what is it like people get in there and they, you know, it, it the peer pressure or the political pressure is so great that we already know what the decisions are going to be? In most cases. But more importantly, what I've observed since we have been going there, and we've been going there for at least eight years, um, is that they are there to protect the institution, not there to be the voice for the people. Um, and in an effort to protect the institution, they always make decisions that are inclined to support that institution. Ezel Ford would be alive today if the police had simply let him alone. That there had no reason to be to stopped at all. Um, you know, and of course it escalated. But that was a case, once again, the, the, it was ruled in policy. Um, that was over on 65th and Broadway. 
really, really, really sad story. His angelversary just passed. Yes. I always think about Ezel Ford. Um, but just, it, it's it, it's that kind of well, the, you know, there was some shady stuff here that may not have been all the way. But we got to protect the institution because we need police. And if you take that approach, then you are, are willing to compromise your decisions so that that the institutions are protected. I remember one of the first press conferences we had, we tried to get Akilah Sherelle appointed, Akilah Sherelle appointed to the police commission uh, because we thought that they needed an alternative voice. Uh, and of course, that went nowhere uh, because, you know, the mayor at the time would never have done that. Um, but we thought that having a voice like that, most of the... the He's a gang com- intervention guy, for those who don't know. Hold that thought. Yes. Continuing uh, with the Keeley when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud, loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. Okay, we haven't even gotten to Wednesday. We only made it to Tuesday. Tuesday. We're talking about the Black Lives Matter week ahead. Wednesday is uh, always stop police associations. And, you know, you said, and I've seen, obviously, uh, the um, campaign, No More Mondays. You guys are calling for Chief Moore to step down or be fired, just as you did with Chief Beck. And I've asked this to Melina Abdullah, who's your, you know, your political ally, your um, colleague. And Would quite you, frankly, I, she is the leader. She is the visionary uh, of the of the Black Lives Movement. Um, and she doesn't always claim that, but we do. Certainly, I do. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. And I think because people think of the Black Lives Matter movement founding as the founding of a hashtag, they include Patrice Cullors, Alicia Garza, and Opal Tometi, and they don't include Melina Abdullah, and she should be included uh, because she's the one that really, uh, along with uh, other activists here in L.A., um, that put it on the ground and took it off of social media and made it an actual marching, protesting, policy-changing movement. And has made it, has, has kept it afloat and alive. If, uh, quite frankly, if it weren't from religious, Valina's vision, leadership, and, and uh, commitment, um, it would be just, you know, the group that y'all talked about the other, the, the, on this Saturday, uh, who, who basically would be selling merchandise. Uh, you know, yeah. so she has been, been really, I think, instrumental in, in keeping the movement alive. But but part of what, in, in many cases, I see is happening in relationship to Black Lives Matter and our weekly actions is there's been uh, an effort to, to erase us as if, as if what has happened or what, what uprisings that happened, activities that happened, happened in a vacuum that people weren't protesting, that people weren't making demands, <laughs> that people weren't challenging, uh, that all of a sudden, you know, this, they, they, there was this outrage, they showed up, something happened, and then they went back, then life went back to normal. Um, and, and so you rarely read about uh, Black Lives Matter anymore, but our Wednesday activities, um, and part of the reason we have focused on uh, firing Chief Moore is because there has to be some level of accountability. We, uh, we, and, and I'm sure you may ask this question, they're simply going to replace him with another police yeah, chief. Yeah, that was the question I yes. was going to. Like, what police chief would Black Lives Matter approve of? I, none, I, I, quite I frankly. Yeah, that's the whole point. So it's kind of like, mm, all right, why, why, is this, why is this urgent? Because I kind of feel like whoever they get, y'all going to be saying resign, step down. 
fire him. Well, but 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 them. we're we're, we're an abolitionist organization, so right, it's not right, like right, right, you know, right, right. But without, but there has to be some level of accountability. You can't let people just operate without responsibility, accountability, and consequence. That is a recipe for corruption. Uh, so here's a, a person that's presiding over the most violent police force in the country, where they've already shot 30 people and killed 17 of them. They bombed a neighborhood. Uh, and to this day, there's been no real accountability for that. Uh, I mean, can you really call that bombed? They messed up and detonated a bunch a bomb, of fireworks. Yeah, you're right. Um, and they, that's the technical. They three stooges the neighborhood yeah. to obliteration. But in any other circumstance, in any other department, had that happened, heads would roll. Yeah. Except for the police. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so he was, you know, and Melina talks about this a lot, we need to chop from the top. Well, Somebody has to be held responsible. And even though there there may be another police chief, we want that police chief who's coming in to know that you will be held responsible, too. We are going to challenge, confront and disrupt because we are going to hold you accountable. Uh, and we have to do that. Right. So it's all about accountability. Um Oh, we will continue this conversation. <laughs> Time flies when you're on the radio. Yes. It's KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you've had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. Happy. Find a righteous rage and don't be afraid to say what you see. We're KBLA Talk 1580. We're over here analyzing police chiefs going back to uh, Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates, Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton. And Willie Moore. Uh, let's yeah. not forget uh, Bernard Parks, Chief Beck. Um, but for you, it's not about the person. It's about holding them accountable for what the institution is doing. That's right. And so, yes, there are going to be other police chiefs. Um, there are going to be, you know, but every police chief knows, should know, that we are going to fight to hold them accountable. You cannot come here, kill us, and think, well, it's just another day, uh, you know, and, and appropriate our language as if somehow or another you're different, and we just don't, we just accept that. And so we get asked this all the time. Well, you're going to get another one, yes, and we're going to fight that one too. Uh, as long as there are police chiefs, we are going to challenge them, we're going to fight to hold them accountable. I mean, but following the logic of what you said, if the next chief comes in and we see a massive drop in the number of murders, maybe to none, which would be great, <laughs> of black people and, and Latino people and people, all people, and we saw, you know, some real movement, that would probably be a lesser priority, right? Well, the, the question, the priority, but it would still be a, it would still be an emphasis for us because Black Lives Matter is an abolitionist organization. And so. Well, then you have to eliminate the whole department, yes, not just the chief. Yeah. The, well, yeah. And that, and, and so that would be the ultimate goal. But on the way to getting there, um, then what can we do to make sure that they uh, are restrained from killing us to make sure that they are certainly held accountable uh, and there's a lot of transparency. I mean, for me, as a very, you know, one of the serious supporter of Black Lives Matter who, you know, has consulted on comms for you guys and all that stuff, it's like I'm still not an abolitionist. Yes. Like, I still feel like every society has some kind of law enforcement, right? Can it be humane? Can it be just... Can it be about serving, actually protecting and actually serving people? I think that's what we would have to get to. We're, we're far away from that. 
And so I think it's a radical reimagining. I'm not, I'm not there with you yet on, and I, and maybe I never will be on saying we shouldn't have law enforcement. And I think part of, and quite frankly, a lot of the people who associate, support, and participate with Black Lives Matters may not be there. What they are there on is what can be done to make things better now given the current set of conditions. And for us, that means firing Chief Moore, holding every chief accountable, and the, and the institution accountable, which is one reason why we show up every Tuesday. Because if we don't show up, if we don't challenge, confront, and disrupt if necessary, then the assumption is this is acceptable. Shooting 30 people and killing 17 of them is not acceptable. Absolutely. Stop killing black people. Stop killing people. Um, when your job is to protect people. Yes. That to me, if we can't unite on that, I don't know what we can unite on. Uh, I know you're going to say follow BLM Grassroots. Yes, follow and, and follow BLM LA. Uh, and you can go to, uh, to, our, to our website and you can sign our petition at tiny URL, no more more. Uh, it's, uh, really, it's really very simple, no more more. And if you listened to last week's Wealth Building Wednesday, you know where to get the T-shirt that Akili is sporting. Uh, never argue with someone Harriet would have shot. <laughs> That's public statement apparel. Yes. Great to see you, Akili. Yes, Thanks thank for you so saving much. my I, Monday. I, no, no, no. I, I, thir- I always enjoy this. And I listened uh, every, every morning that I can wake up, uh, and I do. So thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you.